This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to A Real Man Wood Podcast. This is Chris Liss, your host, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports. What's going on, dude? How you doing? Doing all right. I somehow avoided getting sick last week. Both my, my wife and both my kids were throwing up, but uh, it was especially, I especially tried to stay away from them. Not that I'd be much of help any usual time, but uh, I went in FFL, as I told you, Sunday. So that was kind of a exciting and, and nerve-wracking doing that live in Sunnyvale. But So that was cool, and, um, and I can get sick now, and that's fine. But driving home, you know, I missed the whole first half of the morning games. I was like eight games in that slate. So I almost feel like I kind of and behind still. So what was your takeaway from week five? We finished well, slow down, two, slow two, down. and one. Dude, 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 slow down. You're saying a million different things at once. You're not even giving me a chance to respond to any of the things you said. First off, I said last week, they'll even let a nutless monkey do that show now, <laughs> apparently. It's gone way downhill since the golden age of that show, which was about six years ago. But secondly, I watched a little bit of it, and I thought you were good. I thought you were very relaxed talking shit with those guys. So, Oh, thank you. I'm yeah. surprised. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I, I really only, do. Thanks. I only watched like, you know, two minutes. I don't give a shit about what you guys are saying, sure. but I, I did think, you know, the banter was good, and, and you seemed comfortable, so it looked, it looked pretty normal. Awesome. Um, you know, I mean, for someone as ugly as yourself to be on TV is a, is a huge stretch, but I thought you, you dealt with the situation. You played a, band, a bad hand about as well as it could be played. It is funny. On, on the way there, I stopped at, uh, at Macy's uh, department store, and I walked in there, and this is not the Bay Area. I went to the Modesto one. I must have been the first male to go to the makeup department and ask for help, help there ever because they looked at me like I was an alien. But uh, anyway, I came away with one, and this, uh, the nice co-host there in FFL, Nicole, she helped, helped me put it on and apply it, but it's pretty funny. Before I could even say a word, and I was already nervous enough, that's what she opened the show by saying. I just applied makeup to Dalton, so that, that's pretty funny. That's that's how the show opened. So, yeah. so that was. I didn't see the opening, and you know, I know you're obviously spending time in the pantyhose department and other stuff that uh, right. we won't get into here. But it's not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, it's it's totally fine. We're a very uh, tolerant show, podcast, whatever. The thing but I got two say, in one. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, dude. Let's, just calm ahead. down, calm down. We'll get to all that. Just take it easy. We don't have to spit out everything that's on your mind in every one second. So I should have you know, and the listeners know, that I am in an altered state of consciousness right now, so to speak, because uh, you know how I've been fasting every Monday, 24, you know, I, I basically eat Sunday, whatever I want, and then I go to bed, and then I don't eat Monday, and then I go to bed again, and then I wake up Tuesday, and I'll eat again between like 10 a.m. and noon or something like that. So it'll be like a 36, 40-hour fast. That's what I do every week. Well, this week I decided, you know what? I've been reading some stuff about this and I'm going to push it. And I still have not eaten since Sunday night, Portugal time. And it's now 10.20 at night, Portugal time. So it's Wednesday night at 10 and I have not eaten since basically midnight Sunday. I had like a bite while I was watching the end of the games. And what are you drinking? Bourbon. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, nice. no, 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 no. Of course. A real man would be. That's how a real man fasts with hard booze. Now, I, I'm drinking water, coffee, tea. That kind of thing. So, okay. All right. So it is just water, coffee, tea, though. All right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, how, how do you feel? How do you I feel? feel? I feel pretty normal. I mean, I'm hungry. I'm looking forward to eating. In two hours, I've gotten to 72, and then I'll, I might eat something before I go to bed, or I might just go to bed and then just tack on another eight hours because I'll be sleeping. Right. So it's, it's right. easy. Right. So I'm, I'm basically 72 hours. I feel pretty normal. It's not that crazy. But apparently, after about this long, your body gets rid of a lot of damaged cells. It just gets rid of, it's just something that, like, one of the, the people I was listening to in this conversation were saying it's, it's kind of like sleep. Like you have to sleep because sleep is how your body repairs itself every night. And if you don't go, if you don't get sleep for like three nights, you'll become psychotic. You know, you, right. you'll start to break down because you don't have the sort of restoration that you need. And they're saying that like, well, since every human ancestor, everybody's ancestors went without food for extended periods quite often because food wasn't that available 50,000 years ago. It might be like if you hunted and got a mammoth, you might eat a ton of it and then didn't have some for a while. 
the same process kind of happens when you're fasting, you sort of regenerate, get rid of damaged cells, bad immune system cells. And then when you feed again, you reconstitute all that fresh and stem cells go to work and build new versions of everything. And so it's kind of like, you know, you have like an old operating system that's just not updating right now. And because nobody fasts. And so it's like not sleeping or something. It's like something that might be essential to the, uh, to the organism that we just don't do anymore. So I, I read that and I would li- listen to some podcasts or video casts on it. And I was like, all right, I think I can push this to 72. We'll see. I mean, I'm not about to drop dead. At least I don't feel like it. And, uh, and I feel all right. I just watched a video you told me to watch too about muscle mass, which was not great to hear because basically saying being skinny is bad and I'm skinny right now. So that was pretty, pretty funny. But uh, I did watch that video that you passed along. Yeah, well, that was some other video. And, I, and that also I've been reading more about and listening to more about how like it's not about getting skinny, although I mean losing fat is fine, but like you want to be strong and that muscle is part of your immune system. It's part of your health. It's not just like, oh, I'm physically strong or I'm a real man or whatever. It actually is essential to your health. And, and storage. Uh, yeah, it's storage of like your energy and your and conversion of you know, fats into, into muscle. Is, it's, it's part of the whole thing. And so you're getting kind of skinny and I didn't want you to be thinking – you're healthy. And, and also, well, I mean, you know, wrongly thinking you're healthy. And also, you know, he was saying like people who are in their 20s or like maybe early 30s, they can get away with being skinny and not that healthy because you don't have, you're not really going to face a lot of adverse situations. You know, you're not going to get a horrible disease most likely in your 20s or 30s. But as you start getting older, right. he was saying how like if you're, if you get a bad disease, muscle You'd rather mass- be slightly overweight. What's that? You'd rather be slightly overweight. You'd rather be, what's that? Yeah. I mean, than underweight, but even better in good shape and super strong that you're going to get through diseases or ailments or any kind of problems with a lot of muscle a lot better than you would if you're skinny and weak. So, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like, it's kind of crazy. It's like, what, what does that have to do with getting healthy or your immune system, whatever? But it's like when people look sickly and they're about to die, they look skinny. Usually there's not a lot of like super muscle bound people who seems sick, right? And it's just, yeah, it's just yeah. intuitively, no, if you see some dude who's like super strong, even if he's like a little bit overweight, you're not like, oh, that guy looks like he's about to die. You never think that, right? Just intuitively, if you see some guy who's really skinny, you're like, ooh, like, is, is that guy's health all right? So I was looking at you, and I'm like, dude, you got to put on some muscle. You got to lift some weights. And I'm serious. Not that, you know, fuck the cardio. You got to get in the gym and, you know, build up some muscle. Plus, I won't be able to push you around as easily next time I see you. <laughs> what are you are you fired up for uh, as far as being uh, hungry like do you have like a meal like all, all lined up i mean or is it at this point like hunger is not really a thing i mean it comes and goes right like so now i'm doing the podcast i'm focused on something and i'm not thinking about it but as soon as i get off the podcast i'm gonna be like yeah i'd really like to eat something so yeah i'm psyched man i got some uh some cream i don't have raw cream anymore and that's not code for anything in in the farmer's market in la there was a lot of raw cream and i get it and it was so good but you know it's organic full fat cream i'm gonna probably pour a bowl of that with some berries and stuff and everything sounds good to me right now man i've got these like, spicy sardines sardines in olive oil and hot peppers i'm just gonna like crack open like three cans of those things everything sounds good after 72 hours like a spicy sardines put a little extra hot sauce on it yeah that sounds delicious to me and then tomorrow sardines, night, are, good. sardines are good i love they're good for you yeah and they taste good and uh and these, these are spicy they have these piri piri peppers that are in uh, portugal and, uh, and then tomorrow night we're going to this Nepalese, it's kind of like Indian, pretty similar, uh, restaurant for Heather's birthday. So we're going to, I'm going to eat like a ridiculous amount of like lamb and goat and you know, rice oh, and all nice. that stuff. And it's good. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm I've been thinking about it. I'm going to get an ice cream afterward. I yeah. got, I got some eating plan, but it's good. You really appreciate food. You don't, I mean, you can easily, I mean, I, again, like I've been doing all my work. I pretty much feel fine. Goat's the most consumed animal in, in the world. And happy birthday to Heather, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, no. 25 is a big one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You got anything else, Liz? What, what else is going on? Uh, not really. I mean, that was the big thing is that I'm fasting. Not really, man. Yeah, that, that is pretty crazy, by the way. I mean, I, let's not over, I don't want to overlook that. I mean, I've never gone that far. I mean, that, that's, that's pretty wild. That is. Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't be doing it yet, dude. You need to put on like 15, 20 <laughs> no. pounds of muscle and yeah. then you can talk. Then you can get into the fasting. Yeah. No, I'm not going, not going that route. Yeah. So, you want to talk about our, our uh, two and two and one record? Uh, there were some ups and downs for sure. I, I was mad at myself mostly that I didn't push for the Jets more watching that. I just ended up betting on them and really liking the Jets. And the fact we didn't use them, it's one of our five is an interesting, whatever, hindsight. I was right going ugly on the Bills. I was 
very wrong pushing for the Raiders. Good call with the Lions, all you. I definitely give you credit. Uh, any other standouts? I mean, the Cowboys is so annoying that that, that half point we thought we yeah, were getting. Any- that sucked. That really sucked. Um, not really. You know, two, two, and one. We neither of us felt good about the week. We both felt not very strongly about any particular game. We we thought you know three and two would be fine. Two, two, and one is pretty close. So Derek Carr, you got to talk about Derek uh, Carr. What a nutless monkey Derek Carr is. I mean, Derek Carr, it's fucking. They're down 20 to three. It's like got a whole quarter left in the game. They get down to the one yard line first and goal. I don't know why teams just insist on not handing it off to Marshawn Lynch at first and goal in the one. I can think of like at least one other time when that was yeah. a huge mistake. And yeah. it's like, and dude, so. okay, fine. So you want to be tricky. You want to be clever at first and goal in the one. Fine. Fuck you. Be clever. So car drops back, starts scrambling around. And he throws a fucking terrible pick right to the guy. And you're like, are you brain dead, man? I mean, it's first and goal from the one. Just throw it away. You're going to score the touchdown anyway on second or third down. What the fuck are you doing throwing an interception? It's totally inexcusable. Like, interceptions in the, in the box score. Jared Goff threw an interception from as a Hail Mary at the end of the half. That's d- affected their winning chances zero. The fact that that counts as interception as much as Carr's first and goal from the one interception is a fucking crime. Carr's interception should have counted as 10 interceptions compared to Goff's half an interception. And you have to grade these interceptions. It's not all the same thing. It's third and 15, and the Goff's is totally meaningless. But if it's third and 15 if on the 40-yard line, you throw a bomb and it gets picked at the 20, and the, the guy who intercepts gets tackled, that's just a punt. It's an incomplete pass and a punt. That's all that is. But the first no. goal from the one, I mean, are you, what the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, are, are, he's brain dead. What, what is wrong with that guy? What, what possible thing could possess him to throw that pick? Like, how stupid do you have to be? It was bad across his body. I mean, I even had the Raiders in a teaser, so I was hoping they could get within an 11 and a half points. I mean, I was really like, ugh, that was just Dude, ridiculous. And, and, and the thing is, like, they would still be down 20 to 10, but as soon as the Chargers get any pressure, you know, they start imploding, they start getting conservative, they punt, Raiders get the back door, and the Chargers right. are so imploding that they probably cough up the wind, too. You know, they probably. Right. Start- I would have been happy at 20 and 10, is what I'm saying. I had them at 11 and a teaser. I mean, and the other ones were hitting. No, I, so I, but I don't, you know. Then the Chargers are up twenty to three, and they're relaxed, and they score another touchdown. You know that's that's the Chargers. I know. You know, I mean, so, I know. so anyway, whatever. It was the bad pick. I mean, the Raiders. Are yeah, bad we were pick. donkeys with the Rams. Whatever. I mean, I, 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 st- I actually think the Rams are the right side. Two I, concussions. I, I, yeah, two concussions, missed extra point, which you know put them behind. Probably a little less aggressive in the end. The fucking Seattle was running five six yards a carry. I mean, who the fuck saw that coming? That Seattle's going to run over Sue and Donald like that? That was, you know, pretty strange that they were that successful for that long. Uh, it was just a weird game that when C- Cooks got concussed, they didn't even throw a flag on that. They were actually it was going to be a fumble, but for a hold. It was ridiculous. Like, dude, why do you think he fumbled? Because he got fucking knocked out, helmet to helmet. He didn't. Fu- it would be like turn it over. Right, you fumbled. It's like it was weird. It was it was a little. And they had some false starts, and that Seattle stuff worked a little bit. But I don't know, man. I, I still felt like the Rams were just chewing up yards even without their receivers, and Seattle had to keep running the ball and. uh uh, I guess it was wrong, but I, I didn't. I didn't feel bad about it. Yeah, I don't think it was like total sucker dumb or whatever. It could could have gone the other way. Yeah. Um. I, I thought just a couple of coaching things. I'm sure you've talked about in the XM show, but I just wanted to run over because there are a few that just really stood out this last week. Doug Peterson going for two, scoring down 14. I have a, a friend who's been talking about that since high school. The math says do that because you know if you miss it, then just go for two the second time. So that that I thought was brilliant, and more coaches should do that. Deshaun McVay going for QB sneak late, uh, and um, Hugh Jackson. Do you see him holding up the two? Do you have any thoughts on uh, holding up the two? He thought there was two seconds left in overtime. I mean, that's pretty funny. Did you see that? Oh, he thought there was. What do you mean? He thought there was two seconds. I don't understand. Like he's, he, he didn't understand the rules in the NFL. Like with, there were so many possessions he was holding up. Either that or he was that excited that there were two wins left. But he thought there were two seconds left in overtime after they made the game-winning field goal. He's that clueless of how, how oh, the rules that, He didn't realize it was sudden death is what you're saying. Yes, oh, exactly. I, okay. Back well, and, I mean, he's, the team. Yeah, he's so out to lunch. It's not even, but the highlight, just seriously, is it like crazy to just be like Jason Garrett should – should really have just been fired before getting on the flight. I mean, I mean, seriously. I mean, how how do you punt there, really? No, I, I was saying this on the XM show. Like, I don't see how enrollment in Princeton keeps up. I mean, he graduated from. How did he graduate? I mean, this is not even even Jerry Jones. I mean, Jerry Jones is like so out to lunch, and even he criticized he Garrett. Yeah. You know, it's just like, dude, what the fuck? You got the best offensive line in football. It's fourth and one at the forty-two, and it, there's five minutes left in overtime. You're not going to. 
what are you doing? When you're that nutless and nutlessness is who you are and it's your way of life, I guess you just do that thing. I, I don't know. I, I can't even imagine being in that position, being a head coach in the NFL, which is a prestigious job. He's long tenure. You know, he's made a lot of money and not, th- I don't, I just don't even, I can't even imagine what was going through his head. I honestly cannot even relate to it. So it's really uh, bizarre. The, the two-point conversion thing, it's worth explaining because I don't think it's obvious. Basically, no. basically, it's not just that you go for two. Here, here's what it is. If you, the two-point conversion has been converted at like a 45% rate over hi- historically. So there's a 45% chance that you make it. And if you make it, that means that all you need is the regular extra point, the second score, and you win the game if you get another score and the other team doesn't score. So you're down two touchdowns. You get eight the first time, 45% chance you get eight. And then once you get that, then you just win the game if you get another score, right? You win it by one. So you have a 45% chance of winning in the event that you catch up and get the two scores. Now, if you fail, if you fail twice, then of course you're going to lose even if you get two scores, right? Because you're going to get six and six. You're not going to get, you're not going to tie it. What's the chance that you fail twice? It's about 20% chance that you fail twice. So the 20% chance that you're going to get the two scores and lose, okay? There's a 45% chance that you're going to get the two scores and win, and then there's like a chance that you get you miss the first, but you make the second. You know you got to go for the second, obviously, if you miss right, the first. Right. And that's like 30% or whatever. I might get the numbers slightly off, but it's about 45, you know, 25, 30 or something like that. 45, 20, 35, something like that. And so let's do the math. If you make the first and I mean, if you miss the first and make the second, it's just as if you kick the extra points twice. So you don't have to worry about that. That's the exact same thing. But if you succeed on the first one, then you have a 45% chance of winning. And if you fail both, you have a 30% or 25% chance of losing. So obviously, would you rather just go into overtime, which is 50-50, or would you rather have a 45% chance of winning and a 25% chance of losing? Of course, you're going to take the, the better chance to win and the lesser chance to lose rather than 50-50. Right. I, think, I thought the math suggests doing that, with, that was like when the conversion rate was even higher for extra points. And now that's even gone down. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's the way to go, but the, yeah, watching, watching Jason Garrett just clapping in that, and that look as this, what is it going to take to get him fired? I, I guess, I mean, I guess at the end of this year, it finally will happen, but that was obviously extra frustrating us having the super contest because a, a tie, even a tie in overtime, we would have been happy with, um, before we, before we get to this week's games, I guess I wanted to ask you about your, your column you led with Fournette and the injury stuff. I mean, I, I wanted to ask you about that even before you addressed it, but, um, do you want to talk about that here? Yeah, so uh, we had Pianowski on last week, and he was, you know, we were just talking about random stuff like we do, and he was saying that, you know, Fournette you could have seen coming because, you know, he had an injury history, and he wasn't going to draft Fournette until the third round, I think he said. that You know, he was basically implying there was an unforced error, like you should have seen that coming, or you, right. not, not you should have seen it coming, but that, you know, if you're not getting a discount on, an in, you know, on a broken player, then don't draft him. But I, I, I disagree with that because... Fournette was completely healthy this summer. He, there was not even a whisper of being unhealthy, and he had some ankle problems in college. He had a couple of thigh bruises and stuff, but it was nothing that would, it was kind of random stuff. And he got his foot stepped on once, but he basically had a, an ankle problem that lingered a couple seasons and bothered him last year. Even with the ankle problem, he was suspended one game for some, something random. He played 13 of 15 games, had 268 carries, and 36 catches. So he, he got like an incredibly high rate of work in the 13 games he played as high as basically anyone in the NFL in the top few, maybe Le'Veon Bell had more Zeke Elliott, but that's it. Probably third, third most per, you know, per game workload as a rookie while playing banged up while playing, you know, banged up, but he's obviously not seriously banged up because he wouldn't have been able to have that workload. Then he has a totally clean off season, loses 20 pounds, looks great in camp, not a whisper of an injury, you know, and then in the first game he gets a hamstring injury and he's never had a soft tissue injury, let alone a hamstring injury. And then it's sort of like, Oh, well, See, I told you so. It, you know, I, I likened it to your cousin, like, drinks, smokes, is overweight, doesn't exercise. And you're like, you know, you're not going to live a long life if you keep doing that. And then he gets hit by a bus, and you're like, told you so. You know, it's like, no, no, no. You don't get to say, I told you so, if he gets hit by a bus. And, yeah, it just seems like confirmation bias. And then, and then the other, but the other thing he brought up was that there was an injury predictor site. that, like, It's an algorithm that looks through all the relevant yep. factors, backtests them, and then rates who's most likely to be injured. And Fournette was their number one, or one of the top, if not the number one running back. So he brought that up. And this is preseason. He didn't bring, he said this before the fact. And I was like, yeah, whatever, injury predictor, who cares, you know? And so then, you know, he brought that up too. And I was kind of like, well, 
the thing is about those algorithms, I didn't mention this in the article actually, but it's like, it, you know, they have to separate the causes. Like if, he, if Fournette gets hit by a bus, the injury predictor cannot claim victory. Oh, see, told you, injured, hit by a bus, run over outside, got into a fight at a club. I knew he'd get injured. You know, it would have to be something that was actually predictive, predicted by the facts, but by the, by the history. Something that, you know, you can't just claim, you can't, they could be right for the wrong reason, is what I'm saying. And, and that's what it seemed like, that it was right for the wrong reason. And unless there's some mechanism whereby if you've been injured in any way, then any other injury you get, you know, you're, you're on the hook for that because of a bad diet, your genes aren't good, whatever, you know, who knows. Until they show me a causal mechanism for that, like I know that there's some general injury proneness that extends beyond the particular vulnerability of the player, of the particular injury he had, I can't really buy that. So... You know, I, I, I don't think p and wrong. p and a good player, and he, and he has some good heuristics of avoiding certain things and paying for other things. He should obviously keep doing that because it's working for him. But I, I just don't think, I, I don't think this was a case of that. Or it may have been a case. Maybe Fournette would have hurt his ankle in week five had he not hurt his hamstring in week one. Uh, but we'll never know. I don't think, I don't think anybody can uh, claim vindication on this. I can't say that I was right and that he was fine, but I don't think I was wrong when he got a totally unrelated injury. All that makes sense, but I'm still blaming you because my original instinct was to stay away from him. But after our podcasts, and uh, I bumped him way up by the time the the, the season wound well, up. I mean, so I totally blame you. The other thing is, I mean, look, he was like top eight or whatever by you know late August in on the NFFC, and that's not you know ADP is not always right. But I mean, you know, do you want the injury predictor or you want sort of very smart skin in the game, people with lots of money investing? in Fournette at that level, basically, saying, look, he's not, a, he's not an extra injury risk. That, to me, is at least a decent indicator. And, and if I said in the article, like, if the injury predictor people were like, well, you know, not only do we do this, do this algorithm, but actually we bet 20 grand on the under on Fournette's carries in Vegas, I'd be like, whoa, oh, this injury predictor is for real. You know, one of the reasons I like the Massey Peabody stuff I mean, I, I hung out with Rufus last year and when he was coming through Lisbon and he showed me like, you know, some of his stuff and, you know, but that I know that he bets on the games significantly, that he makes his living doing that. So it's not just right. some algorithm that has a bunch of fancy stuff and a bunch of smart guys. Ooh, we're really smart. You know, we're stats guys. We made this smart algorithm. Look how good it is. I, you know, I don't know all the details of what goes into it. You know, so why would I believe that? But the fact that they bet on it makes me feel more confident in it. It makes me feel that they really believe it and they're not just bullshitting. And I'm not saying those other guys with the injury predictor are bullshitting, but they can make bets on it. You know, you can make bets on this kind of thing. Yep. And if, if they were making big bets on it, they should publish the bets they made. And obviously someone could publish whatever, but at least like, you know, they could post the ticket or post a screenshot of it. Then I would be like, okay, maybe I got to pay more attention to this. But otherwise it's like, why would that be a better why would they do a better job than I would? You know, I have no idea. I don't know exactly what goes into all their stuff. No, I got you. Same thing you brought up over DVOA. Same stuff. Yeah. Uh, if, I, if, you, if, hey, if, if Football Outsiders shows me some betting tickets that are betting big on DVOA, making a living on it, and, and you know, posting the losses and the wins, and we can see the track record, okay, you're going to turn me into a believer, even if I don't totally understand the mechanism. And actually, one listener did tweet out like a link to their explanation and it's pretty detailed. It's not a black box. Like I said, the, the football outsiders a couple of weeks ago, they, they do explain it, but it would take a decent amount of work on the reader's part to really dive in and then like somehow test whether it was actually doing, you know, accurate. Right. <clears throat> All right. You ready to get to the, this week's games? Yep. Let's do it. All right. Okay. Sorry. I was so, so, so excited to get to them beforehand, but um, let's do this. Uh, Philly minus three at your giants Thursday night. So I'm looking at the staff picks, and you and I both uh, are the only ones that took the Giants. I don't feel great about it. Uh, Thursday night games, I usually like the home team, but it's a very short trip for Philly. Philly was home last week. The Giants were on the road. Carolina not that far, but the Giants are actually traveling more this week than Philly is. Secondly, the, the Eagles just lost. They're 2-3, and three, and I kind of don't like that setup. That They're actually a good team that's a little bit desperate, and they're not going to overlook this at all. The things the Giants have going for them, obviously at home and getting points. I think they played pretty decently at Carolina. I think Shermer's a good coach. They played the Eagles tough last year, even when the Eagles were really good. It's a division game, home with the points. I, Thursday night, I, I think it's, that sets up well. 
I think the biggest negative is Eli is so bad and the line isn't good and the Eagles' front seven is good, and that's not a good they, – they can beat the Eagles. They can, Beckham can torch those corners down the field, but are they going to get a chance to throw it down the field with Eli you know, unable to avoid pressure and the offensive line not very good typically? So this is a stay away for me. I took the Giants, but I, I don't want to use it. What about you? almost exactly the same. I do like the Giants, how their receivers can kind of take advantage of Philly on the outside. Their corners are where they're most vulnerable. But I hate the fact that the Eagles are also desperate for a win. Otherwise, I'd say maybe let's use it. But the fact that the Eagles, you know, it's so desperate for a win, I wouldn't want to push to use it. But I did take the points here. Okay. So uh, so the next one, you wouldn't want to use it, would you? No, 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 definitely not. Okay. All right. Okay. Next, I got um, Arizona getting 10 and a half in Minnesota. Yeah, I, this is a stay away. I made this line exactly ten and a half, and I, I took the Cardinals, but I, I, I don't want to touch this. Me too. I gave the points, but that was a back and forth. So just move on. Uh, Chargers minus one in Cleveland. So I feel like every week we fade the Chargers and we like the Browns, and this is no different. I, I think the Browns are good. I think Mayfield's good. I think the defense is adequate, and I think the Chargers are a, just a, a stupid team. That makes a lot of mistakes, and I would use the Browns. Yep, I already earmarked it. I'm glad to hear you say the same. It is seemingly a little repetitive, but um, and the Chargers beat us last week. But yep, I'm, I'm down to use the Browns this week once again. Uh, Mayfield, Mayfield's good. Doing that against the the Ravens, he, he's good. Um, Chicago minus three in Miami. I took the Dolphins just out of principle. I, I don't know that Trubisky's any good. Our guy, uh, Ted Bell, just posted something in uh, the Beat in the Book article that Tannehill's YPA and his numbers over the last four years or five years, whenever long he's been in the league, are much better at home than on the road. So that's good. The Dolphins just got beat twice on the road. Now they're finally at home. And, you know, the Bears, everyone's going to want to pick the Bears because they're kind of trendy now that they lit up the Bucks. But that Bucks defense is terrible. Trubisky has had one good game. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cash back, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. And uh, I don't even know the Bears' defense is that good. They mostly beat up on crap. You know, they played Arizona, played Seattle at home. They haven't beat up on, like, elite offenses by any means. Green Bay just, you know, ran through, went through them easily in the second half of their, their first game. So I'm taking the, the, the home dog. I am as well. Um, I do worry a little that the Bears' defense might be that good, and they are coming off a bye. But uh, this is just a hold-your-nose-out-of-principle. Miami, I, I'm guessing the public will be all over the Bears, so I could be talked into that one. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you going ugly on Miami and taking the points. Um, next it, was, one, it wasn't strong. I, I mean, yeah, I, it would be yeah. like my fifth choice if, if we okay. had to use it, but I'm not looking to use it. Okay. Uh, Carolina is uh, what getting a point at Washington. Yeah, I, I actually like the Redskins a decent amount in this one. Um, I, they were terrible on Monday night, but that was just a tough draw. And I like teams that get blown out coming back and just kind of wiping the slate clean. I don't like teams like the Panthers or Giants. That's the other problem, like with dramatic wins or loss, emotional swings. Right. It's just harder to get that and focus on the next week. I know that's a little bit anecdotal and not very rigorous, but just been my vibe when I, when I bet on these things that I, I like to avoid the team with the dramatic game the previous week. And I think the Redskins are okay. I think the Panthers are okay. And, uh, I think the Redskins bounce back. I would use this one. I made, I mean, I made it my best bet actually, but best bet. Okay. Alex Smith, I thought was pretty terrible. Wor- worse than you did. And I worry if Chris Thompson doesn't, if he's too hurt, cause he actually does 
matter. But I picked Washington, and if you made it your best bet, I'm totally fine with it. And you make persuasive what, points. Well, I'm not going to fight for it that much because I could have made another couple of my best bet. It was just, it just feels right. It just feels okay. like the right call. I got you. No, I know exactly what you're saying. Just feel like a spot feels better yeah. than others. Yeah, I got exactly what you're saying. All right. Um, definitely, I'll mark that one. Uh, Indianapolis uh, is getting two and a half points at the Jets. Yeah, I mean, these are basically even teams, but I took the Colts. I don't like the T.Y. Hilton's not going to play. That's the one big negative. But Luck is just so much better than Sam Darnold. And the Colts have been competitive. They seem to be better coached, and their their defense seems to show up. So I'm a little worried about their cornerbacks being hurt and Robbie Anderson having a big game. But I think the Colts uh, probably win this game. So I, I took him. Rob. Robbie Anderson and Kenyon Drake finally waking up when when I'm on most of my benches. I love that, those guys. Um, I, I took laid the points, the less than three. Uh, I really like the Jets D here, but I, I could I don't love this one at all. This is just a, a pass. I wouldn't consider using that. It's it's actually exactly the same feelings in this next one. Uh, Pittsburgh getting a two and a half in Cincy, just the less than three, and I feel like the home team's better, so I just went with that side. Just the same with the Jets. So what do you have on the on the Cincy Pit one? I took the Bengals. I. I kind of feel the same way as you. I, I understand it's just like the other one. I just felt like I, I took the Bengals, but I kind of had a Steelers feeling, so I don't want to touch this either. Okay. All right. Okay, so Tampa Bay uh, getting three and a half in Atlanta uh, over under 57 and a half. Yeah, I made this line five and a half, and I almost made it my best bet. I switched back and forth a couple times, and so I would definitely use this one. Uh, I, I think that the Falcons – they had a bad game last week, but at home they're better, and they're better than the Bucks. I, I like Winston and the weapons, but I just think the Falcons are the better team. I know the defense has been bad too, but I, I'm I'm laying the wood, and, I, and I'd like to use it. Yeah, Tampa coming out of a bye. Who knows with Winston? But their defense has just been the absolute worst, and Atlanta just so desperate and just uh, totally. I know their defense is, is obviously in shambles as well, but I'm on board. I'm on board to use it. Okay. Uh, this one, um, I think we, I actually, uh, I think I heard you talking. I think we might have done the same at first thinking this game was in Oakland because I, I, I marked it, uh, Seattle giving three, I thought in Oakland, liked Oakland and then realized this game is in London. Yeah, I did the same thing. I still like the Raiders cause I made it, um, I think I made it like Seattle, uh, plus two and a half or something. I don't know. I, I just think Seattle's crap. I know they play well at home against the Rams, but. That was like their Super Bowl. It was like, let's, play, you know, this is the best team in the league, and they went all out. The London thing's such a big wild card, though. I probably wouldn't touch this. And I, of course, it's hard to have confidence in the Raiders, but I just think this is kind of 50 50. To stay away from me, too, because even though I, I liked Oakland when I thought it was there, um, I actually changed my mind. I'm like, on a neutral field, you know what? Seattle is the better team. And I'm t- I just, maybe I'm just extra upset about Carr and what they did last week, but that's a stay away. Um, I, I took Seattle in stat picks, though. Buffalo, I actually hate this game, too. I, I hope you don't want to use it. But uh, Buffalo getting nine and a half in Houston. It's just eight and a half. Okay. What we, what depend, we'll, okay. See what, we'll see what the line is in the Super Contest. But I didn't want this. This is 50-50. Actually, yeah. Watson said he's going to play. But when I was writing the article this morning, I was like, Watson's iffy. I got to just tiebreaker his bills. Yeah. Like, if there's any question about the quarterback, I mean, why would you even, if you're 50-50 on it anyway, why wouldn't you just default to the bills? Yeah, I took the points, and then I uh, heard you talking about what their yards per play. I mean, it's 3. a joke. 3.6 yards per play is truly – it's yards off the charts. Per play. I mean, that, it's a, yards per play, not yards per carry. Um, that's, that's crazy. Right. So, Usually but, the, the worst yards per play team in the league will be 4.7, 4.8. That's, you know, that's, yeah. that's number 32, and they're at 3.6 so far. Yeah, the margin there is because yeah, Houston's defense is just bad. I can see Allen running in a touchdown or something, but uh, to stay away, like I said, for me, love that the Rams are minus seven in Denver since it's just such a similar setup to last week. What'd you think? Of, what'd you do? I would use the Rams again. I I, 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 I know it's the sucker side, but first off, at least the Seahawks have Russell Wilson. You know, Keenum will probably throw two or three picks, so that's if they get into like one of those shootouts. That's the problem. Now, I do think that Denver can run the ball pretty well and. If the Rams don't shore that up, you're going to have a similar type of game where they get, you know, crushed five, six yards of carry. But I don't know. I think the two concussed guys will be back. That was really bad luck. I think they'll throw for a lot of yards and move the ball easily in Denver. And Denver will try to keep up and throw some picks. So I would use this. It's, I know it's the sucker side, but I, I just think the Rams are a different, a different animal. They're, they just keep scoring, even though the game's – kind of in hand they they don't give up the backdoor cover as easily as, as a lot of teams i i think they're sort of mispriced with respect to the spread 
I don't love that they ended up holding on and winning last week and Denver got, you know, blown out. But uh, yeah, both those receivers look like they're playing. So I'm, I'm fine with it. I mean, I picked the Rams and I, I mean, so, okay. All right. I'm, we don't I'm have more, to. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll consider it. So we're definitely okay. using the Falcons. We'll use the Redskins. We'll use the Browns. And then we'll put the Rams aside with the Dolphins and some other possibilities. Okay. Yeah, I have one I'm, I'm fighting for. So um, yet to be talked about. So Jacksonville minus three at Dallas. I took Dallas. I, I made this line two and a half, and it's the full three. Jacksonville, I mean, I, I think they're good, but first of all, why is Jacksonville good? What would you say is the strongest feature of Jacksonville? Yeah, uh, I would say it's their secondary. Yeah, and does that matter? Does that, how much does that matter against the Cowboys? Zero. It doesn't the least matter. of any team. <laughs> yeah. So you basically their strength is totally wasted. And then, you know, I still think Dallas will be able to run it on them. And then... You know, Jacksonville's offense is kind of crap, and Dallas's defense is decent, and they're at home. So I think this is too much. Yeah, I took the points as well. Uh, uh, the line seems about right, but um, I, I did take the points. Uh, Baltimore, minus three in Tennessee. Yeah, what, who do you have there? Uh, I took the home home dog. I've been against the Titans uh, pretty, pretty much every week, but I'm going with them this week. Last week, uh, they came through for me in the Buffalo doing as I – but man the Ravens have been they've been really good and their defense is so legit but this is one of those hold my nose home dogs what about yourself yeah it just seems like the the Jaguars Titans game in Tennessee a few weeks ago or that was actually in Jacksonville wasn't it can't remember anyway was that in Tennessee or Jacksonville that game where the Titans beat them um I can't remember what that was actually I think it might have been in Jacksonville anyway the, the point is that this is just like another one of those in slugs, Jacksonville in know, Jacksonville it's another one of these slugfests on the ground and getting three and you got one side of the slug fest. I don't, I just think it's too much. I think it should be a pick them in Tennessee. Not three. Yeah, it says it opened as a pick them. So man, jumping all the way to minus three, it's pretty, pretty severe. So then uh Sunday night game, Kansas city at new England, uh, not a bad primetime game. Uh, new England's giving three and a half over under. I say it every week. I feel like this, this never seen it over under this high in the NFL. Uh, this one's 59. Some places 59 and a half. Pretty crazy. Yeah, it is pretty crazy, but I took the Chiefs. I, I, you know, I made the line three. Uh, maybe the Patriots at home are too good, but Patriots don't look that good, especially defensively, and Chiefs are running roughshod through everybody. I mean, I, I just don't see why this is bigger than three. Yeah, I, I laid the points with New England uh, just at home there, but this is a, this is a tough one. I, I would not fight for that. Uh, this is more of a, I'm just going to gamble because it's in prime time, not a super contest one. However, the Monday night, Niners getting nine and a half in Green Bay. I made this my best bet. Uh, Packers coming off a loss at home. Come on. I think it's safe to say when you get blown out at home against the Cardinals, you're the worst team in the NFL. So uh, I want to lay the points here with the Packers. Yeah, I'm fine to use it. I I had the Packers, and I was warming up to it, too. The Packers are just so much better at home. Rodgers is better at home. And Beathard's garbage. I mean, he's terrible. And Breida's probably out, so that's like their best offensive player right now. I mean, they don't have an offense. They got to go against Rodgers. I mean, it would be very surprising if they hung in this game. I actually made the Packers my survivor pick over the Vikings. Yeah, no, I would too. I mean, it's on a Trent Taylor. The receivers are banged up. I mean, I know Kittle's pretty good, but man, their Packers defense hasn't been horrible. They just are really frustrated after last week, I'd imagine. So I think they take care of business just like they did Bills, the Bills recently. So um, what do you think? Actually, that's I guess that is kind of five. We have well, more four. So we got. We got the the Packers, the Redskins, the Falcons, and the Browns. That's four, right? If you don't, yeah, so I was counting the, the Rams. So, but I'm I'm open to the fifth. I mean, I'm so, not uh, loving the Rams because we got burnt last week, but I I do <laughs> I do think they're they're a different kind of team. The other possibilities would be what the well, no, not the Raiders. That's also super ugly. The Dolphins, uh, the Rams. The Dolphins, the Rams, and what? What else? I don't know. Um, aren't the Bengals? They're going to beat the Steelers. Bengals are really good this year. They'll beat the Steelers by a field goal, won't they? I don't know, man. I, okay. What about Tennessee home getting three? I like that. I kind of like that. Um, Tennessee home getting three. Yeah, that's good. That's okay, a good one. Fine. We'll use that because they just yeah. lost to the Bills. We just went on the other side of that. Yep. That's yep. sort of the fl- like that's it. the other sharp play. All right. We'll skip the that's Rams. Way- Yep. We'll skip, we'll skip I like it. it. We'll use tight. I feel better right. about that. Okay. So let's good. summarize. We're taking the Browns home against the Chargers. We're taking the Redskins home against the Panthers. We're That's you. The Falcons That's you. home against the Bucks. We're taking the, yes, the Redskins is me. The Titans home against the Ravens and the Packers. We're taking five home teams. Packers home against the Niners. That's fine. Okay, I'm, I'm happy with that. Cool. All right. I'll, I'll shoot the lines in a couple hours and they come out to, just to go over them to be sure. But sounds good to me. Okay. Um, 
I have a couple topic. things. Yeah, there's a, here's the portion of the podcast where I uh, ask you your opinion on uh, something in pop culture in which you don't even know about. But uh, have you uh, have you heard about this Banksy thing? The what? Banksy, you know, the popular, the artist Banksy. Have yeah. you not heard about what happened to him? No, I do not. And Sotheby's or whatever, they sold a painting of his for $1.4 million. And he had installed a shredder inside the painting uh, for if it were ever to go off for auction. And as it, like right after the gavel hit, he hit a button and it shredded and it shredded. Right. It's like caught on like camera and stuff. And people, I mean, it looked like it was fake, but I guess it's real. And now there's a whole talk about like, you know, it, the, the painting actually increased in value because uh, pop culture is talking about it, whatnot, even though it actually shredded. And, uh, so I don't the know, shredded remains of the painting are now worth more than the painting would have been, right. basically? Right. Right. Possibly. I don't know. It's just, look into it. It's pretty, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know. it's something to, I, don't know. I thought it's kind of crazy. Literally, it sold for $1.4 and as the gavel hit, he, this dude hit a button and the painting is, is shredded in front of all these auction, auctioners. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. But, did, um, did the buyer uh, know about that or no? No, absolutely not. No, no. Supposedly. I mean, I mean, I've looked in as, I mean, it could be a total prank, but I mean, it, they're reporting it like it's all legit. So I don't know. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. Um, what is your thoughts on the, uh, the, the UN report, the climate report? I'm assuming you have seen that. Yeah, I did. I, I mean, I didn't like read it, but I heard about it here. My thoughts about the climate change situation is I, I read this really good, uh, little blurb by Nassim Taleb and he basically said like, the greenhouse gases do have an effect. Like we know that they're, we know scientifically the, the, the mechanism by which they heat the planet. And so when you have industry and whatever, there's going to be some energy burnt and some impact on the, on the climate. But the, the scale at which we're doing it now, we know the mechanism of how the greenhouse gases heat the planet. So we know that there's some change. Something's happening that's measurable and certainly significant, has an, an effect. Um, what he says, though, is that nobody really knows. These models that these guys have are total crap. They have no idea. It's a way too complex of a system. It's like, you know, it's like using a model like Massey Peabody and being like, yeah, we know that the uh, Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl this year because we modeled it. Nobody knows, right? Nobody knows who's going to win the Super Bowl. Nobody knows exactly how all these things are going to interact. But his point was that the uncertainty, which is being used by people who don't want to take action, is like, we don't know, so we're, we're, let's just not do anything. It should be the absolute opposite. In a complex system where we only have one world, and if it's gone, we're all totally fucked. We, we can't take a chance that we're going to destroy it. So if we, if we know there's an impact, which we do, and, we, and then we know the models are all wrong, it could be way worse than the models, way worse. So the uncertainty is not an argument for not doing anything. It's an argument for doing something. And the whole debate is framed totally wrong. They're try, the, these idiot guys who are making these reports are trying to get people to do stuff by scaring them with this model that they've built. But it, it, it basically, it plays into the frame of the denialists because the denialists are like, nah, you don't know shit with that model. And the models always, you know, right. get it wrong. The models aren't That's right. That's a really interesting way of looking at that list. That's so, really interesting. What he's, say, what he's saying, it's not mine. I mean, I read this, but I was like, this is totally right, is that, yeah, these, model, these guys are idiots. They're just virtue signaling, modeling, like trying to get, it's like, it's a total wrong thing because you're buying into the premise that only if this model is correct should we do anything. And then you, they know your model's not fucking correct. You don't know. It's so complex. So the reality is that, because, but the reality is not knowing, and we all agree that, you know, if we can all agree that nobody really knows, that makes it much more dangerous. The burden of proof is on the denialists to come up with a model that shows conclusively that it's not dangerous. And they, of course, cannot do that. And so we must take action because even if, you know, we're like, well, there is an impact, but it, you know, even if you believe that it's unlikely that something catastrophic on a gigantic scale will happen, even if there's like a 2% chance, 2% times infinity is still infinity. You know, I mean, if we wipe out everything and everybody, or, you know, and it probably wouldn't wipe out everybody, but literally like lose a significant portion of the human race, have huge wars and horrible conflicts, like even a small chance of that is, is worth doing something aggressively. So, but so what so, is the answer so simple that people just, it's not my problem. I mean, do you think that's what the simple answer is? Why, no, why the, people... the, the, the simple answer is there's enough downside that we should be doing something. Obviously. obviously. I mean, it's like, it's like we launched a war in Iraq and it was obviously false pretenses, but under the, at least the premise that, well, what if he does have mass weapons of mass destruction? We can't take a chance. It was a lie, but it was like, well, just the possibility is too much of a risk. Well, this, this is a million times worse than that. And it's like, well, okay, so 
So again, like I don't believe the models. I don't think that climate report is accurate. I don't think anybody knows, but I think that there's it's there's a legitimate mechanism that shows how it could happen. We know that it, you know, that it has heated up and that we know that the greenhouse gases do it. And we don't know. We just don't know what's going to happen and and I think that should be the reason to act. And then you wouldn't have to like sell this bogus stuff to people. Now, I think practically speaking, it's going to depend on whether there's you know, an incentive to do it that's, you know, market-based in the sense that they, they somehow, you know, if there's a huge carbon tax and then there's huge incentives to build technology that absorbs carbon, then there'll be tons of innovation in the space. So that's one way to do it. You're not just going to get people to voluntarily do it. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not, you know, everybody's like, oh, so some developing third world place is just going to stop doing it because the U.S. is like, okay, well, we've extracted all the wealth we've needed to out of all this. And, you know, now you guys can't even get to where we are. So they're not, never going to do it. And the Paris Accord was like way below what was necessary, at least according to people I've read. So that thing was just kind of a sham. It was like a virtue signal. It wasn't like actually addressing the problem. So I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take. How do you get everybody to buy cell phones and be online all the time in 1990? How do we get people to uh, click ads and click through things? Oh, well, you invent a technology that they want, and then they end up just doing that. So I think right. That, well, do you think the powers that be who could come up with the alternatives or get force people to do that, really, do you think that they're, they've been reluctant to do that because they, like I brought up, only care about now or because they don't believe and truly believe that this is going to be a problem? I think that a lot of people believe it's a problem, you know, a lot of people, but they don't necessarily believe that other people believe it's a problem. And so... <laughs> You, you get right. this, this problem of like, well, I think this is bad, but all these assholes who work at Exxon don't care or something, you know, and, and all these people in the other countries don't care in China and the Trump administration doesn't care. And, and, you know, so you just kind of scream and yell and virtue signal of how, how much you care. Uh, but I, do, I think that if you really care, then you just stop saying how virtuous you are for caring and start trying to figure out a, pers- a way to persuade people to do the right thing to figure out ways to do this. And it might, I think it's very hard to make people do something they don't want to do. And mm-hmm. it's not just make, I mean, so much of, you know, our prosperity depends on fossil fuels. I mean, the way we, everything pretty much building your house, heating your house so much. It's all done by energy that comes out of the ground that causes, you know, the way we eat everything. So it's not, this is not like a small adjustment that we have to ask people to do. And probably like some sort of carbon tax where, you know, there's everybody's paying for the, you know, for the greenhouse gases to the point where the market adjusts and people start to profit from not doing it. That's probably the solution probably lies somewhere in there. But of course, I don't know. I'm just telling you shit that I've read on Twitter pretty much. Yeah. No, I wanted your opinion. I mean, this specific report is especially dire. It says if we don't make like dramatic changes, they don't know. It could be, it could be worse than that. It could be, it could be worse than that report or it might be not as bad. Those guys don't know. (laughs) <laughs> um that that is true um all right all i got for you is i just uh i watched the, the season finale of better call saul was monday don't I, tell I, me because I, I haven't watched it yet highly recommend that show and i just started uh bojack horseman that came out a few weeks ago but i just started i'm gonna probably binge that over the weekend um got a, gonna be in a golf tournament over the weekend i golf about a few times a year so wish me luck with that uh that's all i got Liz. uh what about yourself i think that's good i probably have some other shit but um my brain i don't know my brain i feel pretty clear-headed but I'm just thinking about the food. That I'm yeah, eating yeah. Good luck with that. You should do a like. You know, you always get a hit when you post pictures of food. You should. Uh, I'm curious what your first meal is. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be something picture worthy. It'll be like a can of sardines or some cream <laughs> berries or something. By the way, I, one thing I'll mention though is I went glamping. Remember, I mentioned that on the yep. last podcast, and uh, yeah, how was it? It was pretty nice, man. It's it's crazy. Went up to this place in northern Portugal. First, I went to the Douro, and Heather works with this uh, winery, and it's like these natural wines, and this guy who runs it. It's like, I put a picture in my blog, man. It's like, it's like so yeah. amazing up there. And we had lunch overlooking this, the river, the Douro river. And then he like, you know, poured us all this wine. And then we went back to his house and his kids and Sasha played. And then he poured us this like reserve, uh, spirits that he makes like this 40% alcohol thing that he makes. And it's kind of like Armagnac. And then was like, you know, getting his coffee. It's just cool. It was this really rural thing. And then we went to the, the glamping area 
And that was literally just like a couple of tents in the middle of nowhere. And you actually had to drive to the base of the, the camp. And then the guy had to drive you in himself. Like you couldn't even come and go. And that was a little bit of a hassle, but it was really nice. And he drove us around. They have wild horses, wild cows. Have you ever seen wild cows? They don't belong to anybody. They're just like breeding and eating grass. So. No one's milking them. You know, the horse is the same thing. There's like all these boar and all this other thing. Nobody's doing anything to them. And uh, we went around there. And this guy basically bought like thousands, tens of thousands of acres and he's just rewilding northern Portugal. He's just making it wild again. And there's like blackberries we ate and all the stuff, you know, growing on the trees. They make their own olive oil. There's olive trees everywhere. And I was just, I was talking to my friend about this. And you're like, well, what do I do? How do I invest? You know, I'm going to sell Facebook stock. I mean, Facebook, what a disaster. But Facebook or Amazon. And you're like, and you're like what are you doing? Like, you have this money. And you're like, I'm going to invest in these random companies that I don't believe in, that I don't believe are up for the good because I have to invest this money because if I just keep it in cash, it's going to inflate away because we have this inflation and we've got to spend this money. And, and so you're like forced to invest in these index funds, a bunch of companies, half of them are doing evil. And you're like, I don't like, where do I put my money in bonds? Do I, you know, it's just like, so what the fuck are we doing? Like this dude like took his money and put it in his land and he's like bringing cows and horses back to the land. You know, that's what he's doing with his money. And it just, I was just talking with my friend about it and I was like, it's just so weird how we're supposed to invest in stuff. And, and is, is there not like a better use for your, uh, any savings that you might have? Assuming you have some, which not everybody does, but you know, then just putting it in the stock market or buying some bonds. So that was just a thought. Yeah, the stock market, I know, I can tell you, uh, is not doing so well right now, uh, personally. Um, that's cool. That's, yeah, that, that, that's awesome, man. You, uh, do you have any other um, interesting stories uh, from, from living over there uh, lately? No, that was it. You know, I mean, what, what do you want from me, man? You know, I can't. I don't know. I, no, I, no, I, went, I went to a, I went to a wild area of Portugal and yeah. and went to this. No, wild. I mean, no, no. I'll put the picture of the door. I'll put that picture on this uh, as the picture for the pod too. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. Cool, awesome, dude. What are you expecting cool. me? You know, what I'm seeing uh, this week is Trevor Ray is in town. Uh, his, really? What, what's his, he doing there? With this woman, they're just vacationing. So oh, that's right. He's yeah. Hang out with that nutless monkey in a bit. He's domesticated these days. Huh? He's been domesticated. He's finished. That'd be fun. That'd be yeah. awesome. Anyway, awesome. Cool, man. Good times. Uh, let's, what, are you, what are you feeling? What are you feeling this week or record-wise? I think 3-1-1 one, and one is about what three I expect. One. You know, it's, I won't predict a push. I'll say 4-1. and one. I'd be a little disappointed in 3-2. and two. Just I'll keep take it going. I was, I was looking at the leaderboard. It's funny. We're only like, it's obviously a bunch of teams in between, but it's like three wins or like three and a half wins, you know, from first or something. It, it, it doesn't seem insurmountable when you, when you look at it like that. Just no two and threes. A couple four and ones, a five and zero oh or two. That's all it's going to take. No two and threes, and a, just a couple. You know what I mean? Just st- slow and steady wins the race. Don't just don't blow it. That's all we're saying. Just don't blow it. I like it. I like it. I'm down. All right, man. All right, Liz. All right, man. Uh, a couple notes. One is if you like this podcast, you don't subscribe to Rotowire. Check it out for free. Rotowire.com/slash/pod. We have beating the book staff picks. All these picks are written by us and other people. Pianowski, by the way, went twelve and three. He's just having a ridiculous start to the season. So you can check out his picks as well. He agrees on a lot of them, but not all of them. And then uh, if you uh, want to like and rate this podcast on iTunes, I don't know why I say this because I don't know what benefit it gives us, but maybe it shows up higher in searches or whatever. But actually more than that, because fuck iTunes, who cares? Just tell people about it. You know, let's grow the audience. If you think it's good, tell your friends, tweet it out. That always helps. All right, man. Literalist.